Testing, testing, one, two, three. Oh, you're good. <sighs> Get our pre-size out. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. I'm Corinne. I'm Derek. And this is our podcast. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. We are the... Stop. Yeah, all right, we're done with that. We're our favorite. Yeah. We're your favorite climate disaster podcast. <laughs> we're not even your favorite. No, I meant like the listener. Oh, okay. I thought you meant not you, Not but you me. personally. <laughs> This is why we're only 507 or whatever. Or this is why we have the ones we do. Okay. Anyways, welcome, Corinne, to our election special. Yeah, we're like a week away, a week and a half away. Oh, God. Yeah, it's close. It's currently Sunday, what, the 25th, something like that. Election is next Tuesday, so we got Halloween and the election. Which are you more excited slash terrified of? Uh, definitely the election. <laughs> yeah, Halloween is it's one of those holidays. Already. Well, first off, yeah, this year it's kind of lame. Every year it's kind of lame, though, let's be honest. Halloween, for me, really fell off a cliff when I realized I could buy my own candy. No, because that wasn't as fun, because you're not going to buy 40 different types of candy. You don't know. <laughs> but, like, you know, there's some excitement in getting dressed up and going to the houses and getting yourself kind of, like, freebie and stuff. And once you can't really do that anymore, it's not... I don't understand adults who are hyped about Halloween. I think it's like people who are hyped about Disneyland. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I like like going to Disneyland with a child because you get to experience it with a child, you know? Yeah. You just take some random kid, take it to Disneyland. (laughs) But I feel like it's like, I don't know, it's like the goth kids or like the renaissance kids. It's like the kind of weirdos. Sure. But then also it's college kids who are like, it's an excuse to party. But everything they don't need is one. an yeah. excuse to it's party. It's just Saturday Just dress up really, like, you know, seductive. Well, either way, Corinne, this is our election special. So uh, we're going to go real light on the news. I don't have a ton of news. And they're actually all kind of related. Okay. Mm, and then we're going to talk about the election. Which is a complaint of one of our comments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to really double down on our latest bad review that said we're too political. Okay. And just get into it. So we're going to talk about the election, what could happen, what it might mean, and uh, what you can do to prepare for the uh, dangerous future that is the election. (laughs) Great. So, yeah. You want to get started? Get into the news? Or do you have any uh, updates personally? Any shows you've been watching? Any whatevers? Fargo. The new season of Fargo is getting pretty good. Okay. Um, I have not watched any of it. Derek, have you seen the movie? Yeah. Okay. Love the movie. The movie is great. Season two of Fargo. No exaggeration, I think, is the best TV I've ever seen in my life. Okay. That's high praise. Season one is a little... It's interesting and would have been good of itself. But then season two, and you're like, this is some brilliance. And it's, what, season four or something now? Yeah, I think we're on season four or five. Okay. Um, I highly recommend that you start watching it. I wouldn't recommend you watch it around MJ. Well, yeah. It's pretty bloody, but it is real good i did watch the new borat movie i didn't see that haven't seen that yet no i didn't like borat number one uh, yeah borat's never been my absolute favorite i was definitely not one of those people that just like 
loved Borat, mm-hmm. but I did appreciate it, and I, I appreciated the second one. I thought the second one was okay. They did a, they made a smart choice to like make the movie more about Borat's daughter, mm-hmm. who's this actress. She's from like Romania. She's totally unknown, but she's brilliant in it. She's mm-hmm. great. And then of course everyone knows at this point the controversy. Uh, at the end of the movie, basically, the whole thing is staged up to like try and like give away his daughter as a prize to an American official to get in with Trump, mm-hmm. and uh, they end up meeting with Rudy Giuliani, and he ends up with the actress who's playing the daughter, who's playing someone who's fifteen, and then he sticks his hand in his pants while laying on a bed in a hotel room with this girl. Uh, and it is it is not great for Rudy. <laughs> Rudy, this is the worst of many many choices he has made. Uh, oh rudy yeah yeah what can i say about it but it's worth watching if you liked borat or uh you just like kind of the satire it had some funny scenes in it not as good as the first one not as good as the ollie g show but didn't like that either i think it's too uncomfortable for me this one isn't as bad i think okay okay. but yeah it's it's all right i like it other than that general dread about life and the election and existence and the rona and the Rona. So I guess we could start news with an uh, update on the Rona. As everyone knows, it is still... Completely gone now. Yeah, completely gone now. Like a miracle. Actually, I think we just we just set another record. Every day's a record, so how can we even pay well, attention? Well, I mean, what sucks about it is, like, this is now, like, the third spike in America. We've kind of dip it a little bit, and then it goes right back up, because we cannot just follow the rules around here, apparently. It's so frustrating. I was talking with... Uh, some family members and they were expressing their that their desire to just get out of the house and go somewhere and it really sucks for people who have been following the protocols this whole time because the people who have been staying at home and who haven't been going out to places and you know those people are tired of being at home Mm -hmm. they've been there for nine months and they're watching the rest of the world come off (laughs) of lockdown and they're like we can't because even if i'm sick of it i know the numbers are you know what really matter and it just is not going away anytime soon. So, I just don't know that it's realistic anymore that we're going to be able to. Yeah, have it a seems like we don't lockdown. have the political will to actually no. lock down for a couple of weeks here. No, uh, and, and there are other problems associated with it too. I constantly worry about like kids who don't have access to food or the ability to leave a house that maybe is dangerous. And sometimes I wonder if, and you know, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know all of the facts, but it sometimes it feels like I'm more worried about these kids who are stuck at home than... Yeah, and, and I mean, school on Zoom is just not... It doesn't work. There's going to be such weirdo kids in like 10 years. Uh, well, I mean, s- hopefully it only lasts like a year. It wouldn't yeah, be... but even still, yeah. these oh, well. weirdos already socially weird on the computer all the time. Uh, so the Rona still a thing, mm. still a pandemic we should be planning for. Everyone wear your freaking masks. Uh, stay home, don't do things. Yeah, I don't know if I have much else to say about the Rona at this point. I think so. we're all sick of it. We're going to move we gonna, on. Can we cancel the Rona? <laughs> it's been canceled. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people just kind of feel that way. I think yeah. a lot of people have just kind of given up on, I mean, that's that, what do they call it? The Corona fatigue yeah. or virus fatigue. And I mean, that's a real thing and we should try and fight against it. I mean, obviously we should still be taking our precautions. Mm-hmm. Everybody should be wearing masks. There's just a research I was just seeing the other day that masks have done a really good job of preventing the disease from spreading especially as we're seeing now the long-term effects of coronavirus and things. So even if you were like asymptomatic and you had it, that you're they're finding out that those people are having some real long-term health consequences. Mm-hmm. So it's not something to to just dismiss. 
But yeah, I think we need to kind of come to some sort of agreement as America how we're going to deal it. <laughs> I mean, which sucks because a lot of the rest of the world is already back to is like... already kind of done with it. They, I mean, and not done with it in the way we're done with it. Done with yeah. it is like we beat it. We looked yeah. it. We actually did a real lockdown. Good job, everybody. <laughs> well, hey, see, this is the thing about uh, dictatorships and communist groups is they can really just shut you down. But you know? it's not even those countries. Those are the worst. Look at the countries that have done the worst with it: Russia, Brazil, America. India is, I mean, one, I keep waiting for the day that India inevitably passes the United States because just because they have three times the yeah. people. So it's kind of like just yeah. numerically they will. But not yet. We keep, we keep holding on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the countries that have done the worst have been some of the more authoritarian countries. Uh, they haven't really handled it well, whereas New Zealand licked it clean. Yeah. Sweden uh, did pretty good too. There's yeah, I keep, there was mixed reports. Like they initially did well, but now they're getting like this later wave with it. I don't know. Who knows anymore? I know. Screw it. I don't even want to care anymore. Okay. We're moving on. Moving on. All right. So this week we've got kind of four related news stories, or three news stories and a news update. We'll say. Mm, okay. All right. So the the news update is about uh, everyone's favorite uh, story of 2020, the murder hornets. Oh, right. Yeah. Forgot about this. So there was an update this week uh, in Washington State. They found a the first found, like, actual nest of murder hornets, like the hive. Destroyed, I hope. Yes. So there are photos of the, I don't even know what authority in Washington, but people in, like, the white lab suits, like you would catch if, like, an alien had landed on your planet. Sure. Like, we uh, all know those. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the hazmat yeah, suits yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, holding this, like, vacuum cleaner full of, like... <laughs> hornets? Yeah, burnt hornets or something. I don't know. But they murdered them. Uh, they murdered the murder hornets. Good. Take that. I mean, of course, the giant asterisk next to this is this is the only one that they've found. Right. There are right. obviously other nests out there. And and these are, like, in the forest of, you know, the rainforest of Washington. So it's like, no one's going to find these nests. No, out so. in the Olympic. Well, we can't even go into the national parks, hardly. Yeah, Bigfoot's out there with the murder hornets. Okay. Well, uh, sure. So, anyways, that was just the story. And then it seemed like this week was just the week for stories about invasive species. So yeah. we've got uh, three more stories about invasive species. Oh boy. The first one is an interesting one because it fits right into what we're talking about with uh, make disasters and everything making things worse. So we know that this year, 2020, we had the biggest hurricane season on record. Mm -hmm. Hurricane Epsilon is now currently threatening uh, the coast. I think it's hit uh, Bermuda and a few other places. We've already gotten through the alphabet. We're already on E of the Greek alphabet. I don't even know if E is in the same spot, but either way, so many record-setting uh, hurricane season. But in classic 2020 can always get worse fashion, National Geographic has pointed to another problem with the hurricanes. So we already know that they're severely damaging to infrastructure and life and all these things. Now we're finding out that invasive species are spread oh, by hurricanes. No. So over 100 species, including Asian swamp eels and zebra mussels. What? Pitch, the yeah. Swamp eels and one of the, zebra favorite, mussels. One of my favorite thing about invasive species are that the names are always awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so over 114 non-native aquatic species hitched rides on hurricanes in the Atlantic coast this year. Uh, according to the United States Geological Survey Non-Indigenous Aquatic Species Team. The crack scientists there. Uh, so what happens is these invasive species are already in like a small area, 
And then the surging waters and flood waters of the storm push them into a much larger geographic area. So it basically scatters them. Mm -hmm. And then they've now colonized, you know, five times the area that they were already in. Great. And this we kind of already knew was true. I think we mentioned it when we talked about the pythons in Florida. That yeah. Hurricane Andrew is supposedly what caused the pythons to get released from a... a, a pet breeding center mm. uh so like the hurricane damaged the center and allowed like dozens of pythons to escape into the thing and now they're everywhere Classic. now they're like literally eating alligators in the everglades <laughs> um hurricane andrew is also accredited with the release of the lionfish yeah good so names, you're you've right. seen that red lionfish it's the it's a really cool looking fish yeah. uh, but apparently it's native to uh, asia somewhere and it's been released into the caribbean waters due to hurricane andrew and it's apparently a crazy super predator that, like, kills all the other fish. Eee. Yeah, so it is not good. And, uh, yeah, again, Hurricane Andrew basically caused it to be released. And Andrew guy's a real jerk. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, the hurricane moves the water around, and so it spreads all these species up and down uh, the coast or whatever. So not great. And, of course, hurricanes are expected to increase in size and severity and number as the planet heats up. So it can only increase the problems we have with invasive species. Great. And this whole thing kind of got me thinking, even though it wasn't in the report, but I was thinking about invasive species that we have over here on the West Coast. Yeah. And the big ones that we think of here are like the bark beetles. That's what ones... I was thinking, the beetles. Yeah. And what they do is they basically go into the forest when there's drought or fire and the trees are stressed and they attack stressed trees and they like murder them. And they've killed millions of trees in the Pacific Forest or whatever. And I was thinking, oh, you know what? It makes sense that more drought, more fire would only increase these invasive species as well so even though this wasn't included in the report i think that we can see the corollary there as well that yeah of course the climate change disasters we're experiencing here on the west coast are also making the invasive species problem we see on the west coast worse well maybe if all of those trees burn down there'll be no <laughs> there'll be nowhere for those beetles to go and the beetles solved can, it the beetles can only go a certain uh, altitude correct i believe i recall we went somewhere and it was like all the trees are dead and then we kept going up and up and up and i was like hey the trees are back and it was like the beetles couldn't survive at a certain altitude or something i don't know if it was altitude or temperature uh, okay so if it's temperature that's not good no let's not talk about that yeah. never mind all right abort all right either way moving on to the next kind of related story researchers predicted that non-native or alien species introductions will increase globally by around 36 percent during the first half of the next century Together with climate change and land use change, invasive alien species are posing one of the greatest threats to biodiversity, said Hanno Siebens, ecologist at the Sinkenberg Biodiversity and Climate Research Center and the lead author of the study. Uh, invasive species cost the United States over $120 billion a year. And that's, you know, the zebra, keeping them in place, trying to get rid of them. Destroying uh, the hornet's nests. Yeah, murdering the murder hornets, doing the whole thing. That's what it costs already, so if they're going to increase, it's only going to make that cost more. The largest increase is expected in Europe, with a 64% rise in alien species introductions. Yeesh. And the lowest was in uh, Australia, and I think that's because the native species of Australia will just straight up Dominate. murder anything. <laughs> yeah, they are better. You, we've been surviving fires here for... <laughs> yeah. I mean... Australia is just full of poisonous, venomous, crazy things. Yeah. So I think, like, uh, if you know, the American bison were to be introduced over there, it would just be murdered. Well, yeah. So, you know, there's no real... We, we got nothing that can match what they got in Australia. You can't beat Australia. Yeah. So. 
Oh, dear. So they're safe. Good for them. <laughs> I guess. They're the ones invading everywhere. Listen, we got the Irwins. They'll take care of Australia. <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Fair enough. And then our final related story is one that I thought had like a perfect headline for 2020. Okay. And I posted it on our Facebook feed, but we're going to talk about the story here. Headline is, Escaped Cloned Female Mutant Crayfish Take Over Belgian Cemetery. So many things in this. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Is this an underwater cemetery? Okay, so Belgium is like the Netherlands, full of dikes and levees and canals and stuff. Okay. And so there's a cemetery that has, you know, ditches and whatever. And it's right next to, apparently, this research center. So let's back up. We'll get into the crustacean (laughs) first. So let's start with the escaped cloned female mutant crayfish thanks are a mutant are they just being rude no they're not being... <laughs> all of those things are factually accurate so mutant so crayfish we know what they are right yeah kind of so mutant this is what's called a marbled crayfish okay. and it doesn't exist in nature it's literally a crayfish that was like bred in captivity like through pets and mm-hmm. you know and it's for whatever reason this one had a genetic mutation that allows it to asexually reproduce. Mm. So basically, the female clones herself. She doesn't need a male partner. True. And so all Amen of to that sister. Well, all of the the reproduced marbled crayfish are genetically identical to the mother. Oh. So it's clones. It basically clones Should itself. Should be easy to kill them if they're all genetically the same. Well, no? no, because it can reproduce faster and more than the native crayfish, and it can outcompete them. It's apparently mm. a voracious crayfish. And so it's been banned. So this marbled crayfish was banned by Europe. But for whatever reason, someone had one like in a fish tank and dumped it into the river. Which Why is are they always dumping always it in the river? I got this thing I'm really not supposed to have. I'm going to do the one thing you're not supposed to. They stomp it out or something. Just what murder it. Well, I think they have it as a pet and then they get bored of it. And then they just like, well, be free, Willie. And it's a terrible idea. Don't ever release illegal pets <laughs> into the river. Don't get illegal pets. Yeah, another thing. First off, who wants crayfish in a tank? But apparently these things are not just in uh, Belgium. We'll get to the Belgium part of this whole thing. And it has apparently colonized this whole area, which is a cemetery in north uh, or in Belgium. They're very worried that it's going to leave because the crayfish can like walk across land. That's how it like jumps from canal to canal or whatever. This isn't a fish anymore. It's not a fish. It's It's a crustacean still it's it's like a lobster it's a crayfish well how far can that thing walk i don't know a couple of miles how far can Uh, you walk not far at all so apparently this thing is a real big problem the eu is very concerned that it's going to get out of uh this little area or like into the city's major waterways and then from there because again it's full of canals and irrigation ditches and whatever else basically once they lose containment on it it's over. So are they just going to try and kill all the ones that are in the cemetery? Yeah, but they said that it's basically impossible because the thing can like burrow underground. Can't they find some sort of poison? I, I mean, that only kills it and not all the other animals in the ecosystem. <sighs> Listen, it's a cemetery. But even if they do, like, it, like I said, some of them burrow underground where it can't really get to it and then they pop up later. So it's basically impossible to root this thing out. Mm, there's a way. The marbled crayfish has already spread rapidly in other places as well. Uh, most notably in Madagascar, where it's uh, decimated the local crayfish population. So, again, it got out. Uh, and one of the problems in Madagascar, and this is one thing that's true, is you can eat crayfish, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're delicious. We used to have a festival for crawdads here in the yeah. Delta. So people, like, breed it because it's easy to keep for food. 
but then obviously at least one gets out and then it takes over the natural national wildlife so yeah not great not great that the marbled crayfish is now out in belgium great are we done with the news that's the last news story <laughs> I have. I do have one nonsense story. Okay. This is it. like my latest obsession story. I've been like scanning the news for new, more information. Okay. So it came out a couple of days ago. I, this is, I, I posted about it, I think. This is the woman, and it's, oh, this is, it's prepping adjacent, I'd say. Yeah, Because it's yeah, a survivor yeah. story, maybe. I am intrigued and confused. So, it's just an unsolved mystery. Yeah. So the story is that a woman from Los Angeles has been rescued after being missing for 12 days in Zion National Park, which is in Utah. And that's a hard place to survive alone. Yeah, except there's a giant couple of asterisks on this thing, which is that her story isn't really adding up. But why? So the woman, uh, it just gets kind of weird. So like telling her friends and family that she needed to unplug for a few days, she decided to hop a bus in the middle of the night from Southern California and take it to Utah. And she did it without her phone or telling anyone where she was going. In fact, the only reason they found out she was in Utah or at Zion is because a couple of days after she left, her roommate filed a missing persons report, okay. and the authorities found her credit card had been swiped like to ent- for the entrance fee to Zion, mm. so that's how they knew she was there. Okay. So she didn't tell anyone she was going there. That's rule number one. First, yeah, rule number one. And apparently she was fasting while this was happening as well. Oh, but that, she's not making good decisions no, there. Her whole, apparently she was very stressed out about anything. And the other th- part of it is, like, Zion is a massive national park. Yeah, it Not is. Not like Yosemite, where the vast majority of the park is rugged backcountry. Mm-hmm. But most people only stay in, like, the valley, only right. stay in a small portion of the mm-hmm. park. She was actually found in the small portion of the park where people stay. So apparently what happened is she took a, a bus to, like, this trailhead mm-hmm. along what's called the Virgin River. And I've not been to Zion, or if I have, it's been years. Apparently this is one of the most popular trails in the park where she, she claims, hit her head, got confused and disoriented, and, like, basically was stranded for 12 days. But she was very close to both the river and to the trail, where people would have clearly been walking and she calling. She just crawled herself onto the trail. Well, and search and rescue people had been going back and forth along the trail, because that was where she, they knew she had knew gotten on the gone, tram. Yeah. And so, like... It's, like, impossible that she wouldn't have heard someone yelling for her during those 12 days, basically. The other thing is she didn't claim, she claims she didn't have any food or water, like, didn't bring any with her on the hike. Mm-hmm. And so she claims her water source for 12 days was the Virgin River. And normally you'd say, okay, but the National Park System has a warning for drinking any water out of that river. Mm-hmm. It is apparently chock full of a very dangerous bacteria. Okay. Like, even if, you're, like, your dog goes swimming in the river, you're supposed to hose it off. And, like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to keep anything out of the water, not drink it, not touch it. So full of, like, this dangerous bacteria. And that which led one of the search and rescue people to basically question her story. And, like, mm-hmm. if this is the water source, She's she would be that's super sick. Yeah possibly dead and from drinking it. And she had a head injury. And she had a head injury, but when she was found, no one even called for an ambulance. Because she was fine. Because, and again, it would have been standard operating procedure if someone had a head injury or was dehydrated, dehydrated. or, you You've know. you out in Zion for 12 days. Yeah. I mean, a couple of hours out there, you're going to be... <laughs> 
unless you're guzzling water, you're going to be dehydrated. Sure. It's hot as hell out there. I mean, I don't know what the temperature is now, but anytime you're out in the woods, the exposure or whatever is not great. No. So there's a lot of asterisks about her, their, her story here. I also saw a picture. So She's she got had... crazy eyes. <laughs> no, she does have crazy eyes. But I saw a picture of where she had been marking her days on a tree branch. Yeah. And that is what convinced me this was a lie. <laughs> because the marks on the branch were like perfect. They were like painted on with like, I don't even know, like a dye. And they were just in a perfect line, each and every one of them exactly the same length. It was like on a tree, you, you hit your head so bad you can't find the trailhead that's like a half mile away, but you're going to perfectly mark out these lines. I don't know. This is some sort of Gone Girl this situation. This whole story seems weird. And I, and I you know, trying to find a motive in it is weird that's as well. That's the other thing. What's her the... family has raised $12,000 uh, on like Kickstarter or whatever for her medical bills, although they are refusing to uh, say specifically what she has suffered medically. I think there's something wrong with her. That's for sure. Sure. But what is the question? Yeah. And it doesn't seem like she was the one like planning it. And again, this hasn't hit as much popularity if the point was to like make the national news she's like refusing to do interviews or anything well i think so, i heard about it because i follow all the national parks on like yeah. instagram and stuff but yeah the part i don't understand is like but why, why? the yeah. why would she say all of this if it weren't true like what is she hoping to get some sort of notoriety that she hasn't received yeah but the thing yeah but the thing is there she's refusing to do interviews she hasn't actually been and yeah. that's causing all the kind of questioning it's like, well, what's going on what here? Would, what, so. what did she get out of this? So I don't really want to say she's a faker because I don't know enough. And certainly but I'm just reading I the news. I got to say, though, that picture, she's got some real crazy eyes. She does. I would say it's suspicious. It's very sus, as the kids say. It's something screwy here. Exactly. Yeah. So either way, that's my nonsense story this week is that I'm following the story. So new, uh, we'll update you if there's more developments before the next Yeah. yeah. Feeding a podcast. This is like Gone Girl stuff. But you should look it up, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. This is a very interesting well, I'm not story. talking to you. I'm talking to the people Yeah, listening. I figured that okay. out. Thanks. That's the news, Corinne. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for election? the election special? Yeah. Um, we need to get like the, the sound of an eagle. <laughs> like like from a Colbert yeah, show? Yeah, exactly. I'm ready. You know, ready as you'll ever be, really. I guess, yeah. Is anyone really ready for this election? I'm, again, looking at it like, this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Wild carding the whole thing. Yes, exactly right. I don't even really know, like, where to begin when talking about this election. Because there's so many different ways to take this, I guess. How do I even start? Okay, so, obviously, there's really only two candidates for president <laughs> here in the United States. Yep. Uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. It's possible Joe Biden will win the election. Possible. I still personally believe that Donald Trump is going to win the Electoral College and win the election outright. Yeah. But really, when it comes to election night, and I think this is what people have really, over the last like two weeks, started to hone in on, is the idea that... We won't know. We won't know on election night. And this is both deliberate and a, a kind of outcome of all the mail-in voting, right? Mm -hmm. So, obviously, we're still in the middle of this terrible pandemic, and that is causing mail-in voting to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. And it was always going to be a close, close, close election to begin with. And this means that it's very likely that on election night, there will not be a called winner because so many states will have so many ballots outstanding. Right. And that sort of ambiguity could, if there were cooler heads running for president... <laughs> Mean nothing. Yes. But if we've learned anything about Donald Trump is that he is not a cooler head. 
There's a lot of things you could say about that man's head. Yeah, that isn't one of them. No. And so for me, there's really two outcomes for election night. Number one, Donald Trump wins outright. Basically, he and wins. And you think that night. Yeah, basically the only two outcomes for that night is he's either going to win a mathematical electoral victory, right? He's not going to win the popular vote. Mm-hmm. We already know this. Mm-hmm. Basically, the question is, have the Republicans done enough voter suppression? Have they done enough gerrymandering and like electoral college fuckery? Are there enough proud boys at the election yeah. polls to scaring people? Yeah. Have they done enough of that in order to sort of squeak by with another, you know, minority victory, uh, you know, over the popular vote, I guess, and win the electoral college outright on the night of? So basically, if they don't, fl- if, you know, the uh, Democrats don't flip those states or whatever, right, he could win it outright. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, yeah. then the other option would be basically a contested election because if joe biden appears to have won it outright or if it's unknown there's no way that trump will concede no way there's no earthly way this guy will ever concede is the way i look at it for sure because like i can't see a world in which even if joe biden were to win 540 electoral votes well, every single one of them it up all of those mail-in ballots are fake you know like it's not true and also doesn't matter what other people vote for this is what i want <laughs> exactly but i mean can you imagine a world where he like calls joe biden and gives him his concession mm, no. and then goes on stage and gives a speech where he basically says i've lost will will prevail everybody listen to joe biden our new president let's give him a try absolutely yeah. not no there's no world in which that happens can i take it for aside yeah are you voting by mail no and i'm gonna talk about why here in a minute i have also for the last several months gone with the assumption that i'm going to vote in person and well uh, that's in kind of our later like what you can do about it okay but either, i would yeah. been meaning to talk to you on a personal level about that <laughs> so we'll talk about okay. it. okay but yeah so election night is going to be chaos yes and i think a lot of people are are now hip to that i think there's a lot of people who are starting to realize that we won't know the winner of the election night of because of so many mail-in ballots and then but the the, the other fact of that is there's no way that trump won't try and fuck with it Oh, absolutely. In the past, when there have been states too close to call, most of the time, the elected officials kind of step back and let people count. They might not want the count to go on at Mm -hmm. all or very long, but you know for a fact Donald Trump will try to immediately stop the counting. Yes. Do anything in his power to basically uh, disenfranchise everyone who voted by mail Mm -hmm. or any ballot any ballot that could possibly be invalidated, he's going to try and invalidate. That signature doesn't match. It. Yeah, he's going to try and get rid of them. Yes. And so there's no way in which he doesn't try and F with the results of this election. And I think that what people really want to know is, okay, so what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens when it really appears as if Donald Trump is trying to basically coup the United States? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? And I think that this is like a big question for a lot of people. And I think most people don't have a plan. And so, again, we're a preparedness podcast, people. So <laughs> we're going to talk about making a plan for the weirdness of an election, of okay. this election in particular, I should okay. say. So what can you do? First, like I said, if you are a voter and you... Well, let's talk about voting just in general here. Okay. Because there's still a lot of people on the left. And I'm not talking about Democrats, but a lot of people on the left who kind of take a lot of pride in not voting. Those, I makes me so mad. It does. <laughs> and I, I mean, I get what they're saying. I totally understand it. Yeah. Joe fucking Biden. Sucks. Is, he sucks. He's terrible. And I'm not going to defend Joe Biden. Yes, I am. 
what I'm going to say, and again, I'm further to the left than you, I think, on this, but basically someone wrote this and i can't remember where I, I tried to find it today if you can find who who said it but somebody said this election is basically for the left it should be who do we want to fight more yeah right who would we rather fight donald trump or joe biden and for me it's like oh i'd always rather fight joe biden than donald trump mm-hmm. and that's the whole like push trump to the or biden to the left and I think a lot of people who are out there saying push Biden to the left after are the same people who want to just put their head in the sand as soon as we elect Joe Biden. I agree. I think there's tons of regular Democrats, not the left, but the Democrats, the liberals, who basically just want the same policies only with kind of a nicer decorum, right? Mm-hmm. They want Obama's, uh, you know, very elegant sort of you know, niceties over the, the, the velvet glove over the iron fist, right? I will right? say I do miss the veil. <laughs> sure, they want the veil back. That's exactly, that's a I good word for it. I do miss it, though. And I guess on one sense, but on the other sense, I don't know. I kind of, like, maybe America needs to take the blinders off for a while. And there's not, it's not for nothing that under Trump, did those blinders really come off for a lot of people and moved more people to the actual left? People said, oh, wait, this whole system is trash. Like, I can't pretend that the system that Obama upheld was any good anymore because Trump is holding the same system. Like, in the debate last night, mm. Trump was like, who built the cages, Joe? And he's right. Guess who built those cages? Yeah. Like, those cages were there. We just weren't talking about them. Yeah. I remember when there was an anti-war movement in this country and the election of Barack Obama fucking killed it mm-hmm. like like as, are we still in a war yeah that's a, like isn't that crazy that we're still <laughs> like, in a war and that's on. like issue 27 on most are people's we? list have we been in war for yes. 19 years yes <laughs> we're in we've been in this war in these wars so long that children of people who fought in the same war are going to fight in this yeah. war it's fucking insane it doesn't even make people's top five priority list which mm. is its own issue we don't have time to get we're into getting that. a little sidetracked yeah. my point being that like there are a lot of jackasses, the liberals, who want Obama or want Biden because they want to go to sleep again. Mm. They don't like all of the strife that has been turned up during the Trump administration, and they don't want to f- solve those problems. They want them all to slide back into the background. Yeah. And I think that that's the real danger of a Biden presidency, um, is that basically all of these people who have been organizing with the left mm-hmm. against Trump as soon as Biden takes office, we'll go back to not caring. And so I'm worried about that. I can agree with that. I think, though, if you're betting on the Trump all falls apart situation, you cannot, as much as you kind of can, you cannot predict what Trump's going to do, right? Sure. And that guy has ultimate control. To me, it's like if you try to go that route, like, who knows what will happen? Oh, I'd still rather deal with Biden. Right? Yes. I'm not an accelerationist in the point where like, oh, it's going to burn down quicker with Trump. Because, yeah, there's real harm that can People be done. People will be harmed in I'm, the meantime. I'm not, And I'm not saying Trump is better in that sense. I'm just worried for the left, for organizing for point of view. Sorry, yeah, we got a little sidetracked there. But, yeah, <laughs> that's my concern with the Biden presidency. But Biden is garbage. But really... <sighs> His garbage isn't on fire? Yeah, so back to what you can do. If you are a voter and you are at low risk of COVID... You should think about voting in person. And part of the reason for this is because, like we said, who knows what's going to happen to mail-in votes, right? So if you mail in your vote, it sucks. Because I know so many people, you don't really have a choice. You are at high risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, You, for whatever reason, you can't go vote in person. Yeah. 
then mail in your vote. By all means, vote is better than not vote. Yes. But if you can go in person, do it. Possibly do it. And again, there's some risk there because, like you said, there are rules that have gotten rid of, and now they're going to be in voter freaking intimidation. Like it's yeah, that expired in 2018 or whatever. And the reason they expired, this is this is what's great. It was basically the voter intimidation rules that prevent people from being at the polls, like armed and stuff, were put in place to prevent people from, you know, discouraging votes, right? From yeah. discouraging black votes, particularly. Yes. And they were repealed because the judge couldn't find any evidence of people trying to do it. So basically, the law had worked, and it worked so well <laughs> that basically they don't need the law anymore. Just idea. like we don't need unions, Derek. Exactly. <laughs> they worked so well, now they're done. We'll get to unions later today as well. Good job, Corinne. Thank you. But yeah, so if you can vote in person, I would suggest doing so. Again, if it's safe. Another thing you can do, again, this is, you should get involved in politics, everybody. Volunteer at a poll. If, again, if you are a person who is at low risk of COVID and you're a voter and you are willing and you're concerned about our election, volunteer at the poll. They always need volunteers. And your presence there will be helpful, right? It will help shorten the lines by having more poll workers, right? And being a poll worker means you get to make sure that there's no shit fuckery happening yeah. in the poll, right? Yeah. And so it's a it's a maybe a little late to sign up at this point by the time this pod launches or releases. But getting the time off of work if you're yeah, work. we're getting the time off of work. But if possible, go try and volunteer at the poll. I do have a little bit of a question, and maybe you know the answer, maybe you don't. Why is the left pushing early mail ballots so hard when don't they see that Donald Trump is trying to get rid of these ballots? Yeah, I think the the problem is that there's no like universal rules for mail-in right. ballots. state by state. Some states literally will not allow the state to even open those mail-in ballots till the day of the election. Some states you can already vote like in person ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like the rules are so different. And I think that they're pushing it because they want higher voter turnout. Right. And at this point in America, the Republican Party is actively suppressing votes as a strategy to win like it's crazy to think about that one of the two major parties in this country their politics their plan is get the least number of people to vote we don't want what people actually want we don't actually (laughs) want democracy is their policy that's Mm -hmm. their standard operating procedure so okay i get it now it just seemed to me like a bad strategy in that those are very likely to not be counted at all but i guess if that's their option, or they aren't going to even show up at all. I get okay. Well, and of course they've, you know, there are other shithousery things that have happened. Like they've been closing polling locations, yeah. So that there are places where there's going to be seven hour lines and whatever fake else, fake drop offs, fake burning entire boxes of them. Yeah, all sorts of crazy things are happening. And so I think the idea is if you can get your ballot in and make sure it's secure and in, at least it's there. Because mm-hmm. like most people, because the election day isn't a national holiday, don't have eight ten hours to wait in a voting line. Right. They got to go to fucking work. They got to make some money. I I wonder about that myself. It's like, I'll go as soon as it opens. But if, what if I'm in line and I have to start work? Exactly, right? (laughs) What do I do? Can I say I've been in line since seven in the morning? I mean, depends on who you work. Yeah, it depends on, I mean, all sorts of things. But for a lot of people, you know, you can't really miss work. Yeah. So yeah, no, it it, it is ridiculous that it's not a holiday. But even still, if it was a holiday, it would only be holiday for certain people. The people who this affects aren't, it doesn't matter, Derek. Fair, fair. Uh, All of the restaurant workers and service workers and hotel workers and whatever. All of us poor would still have to work. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right there. Uh, The other thing you can do is 
start organizing ahead of time. Like we know that there is going to be shit going on in the election, right? We know that Donald Trump is going to try something, Mm -hmm. right? He said it. He's already laid the groundwork. We've already seen him do it, right? This is believe him when he says he's going to do something. And the thing, the thing about knowing it is, this means we shouldn't be shocked on the day of. We should be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. And there are large so. If Donald Trump tries to steal the election, this is the perfect example of the sort of scenario that can be solved by massive nonviolent civil disobedience. Now, this is a good example of why nonviolent is important, right? Exactly. So I'm not talking about like protests that are completely symbolic mm-hmm. or, you know, bullshit or even like just marching. Because do you think Donald Trump gives a shit if no. 100 people are marching in your town street? Disruptive. Disruptive. Nonviolent. Nonviolent civil disobedience. Tactical nonviolence. And like the real stuff, the way people actually have organized around the country, the way be- they actually did it in the 60s. Sit-ins. The- sit-ins. Basically gumming up the gears of society to the point where it's basically inoperable. Mm-hmm. You want to basically make this country ungovernable. And so there are groups that are already starting to coalesce and organize. And I'm going to list a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So in my research, I found a broad coalition of progressive groups called Protect the Results. So if you Google that, mm-hmm. you can find uh, a, you can sign up for their emails. There are a couple others. The Indivisible Project and Stand Up America are two others. So these are large groups. There's basically like groups of groups. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, you know, they'll have information. These people are organizing in your area likely. So try and find some local groups that are already planning for what they're going to do when Donald Trump tries to steal the election. Now, the reason that the nonviolence is so important is a couple of things, right? Typically, lefties aren't going to have the guns that the right do. So if we start to be violent, they're going to be violent in return and we're going to lose. Uh, and then also historically it doesn't push people to the left when they see violence right well, and again this isn't about changing hearts and minds yes it's about gumming up the system so one of the other major groups and we should mention this that have been we talked about you mentioned unions earlier mm-hmm. working class people are going to protect this democracy let's be real it's the ultra rich the the wealthy and the politically powerful who are trying to steal the election it's the lower class, the working class, that is going to protect American democracy. But the working class has and often been switched over to the right because of the left ignoring the working class. That's true. But the biggest organizers of working class people have traditionally been unions. unions. And the and not for nothing, but many of the largest unions in this country have already started to talk about a general strike in the event of the election gets rigged or the election is being stolen. So groups of AFL-CIO organizers around the country. Come on, um, SEIU. Yeah, SEIU. <laughs> uh, I don't know for sure that they have. There's, you know, there's you know, some other issues with them. But many of the biggest unions in this country and a lot of the smaller good unions, Go Wobblies, are talking about a general strike. We sound like we're football teams here. <laughs> Wobblies. <laughs> I'm always going to support the IWW. Okay. Uh, they, they've been they've been arguing for the general strike for a hundred years now. This is their chance. <laughs> Finally. Finally. But no, uh, in very real sense, like that's a form of nonviolent civil disobedience. Literally, government employees not going to work. Mm. Right. If no one shows up at the freaking White House. But that's going to be so hard because the people who do have jobs right now, the idea of not going to work when you're poor. It's what tough. poor people do you know to quit jobs or leave jobs or don't go? Sure. In the past, when there have been general strikes, there have been sympathy strikes and there have been mutual aid networks built immediately to support those who lose mm-hmm. their income due to the strike. So 
again, if that's your biggest concern, they could use your help organizing food distribution, organizing, you know, rent, you know, payment groups or things like this for people that go out on the strikes. Yeah. Um, you know, support for the actual frontline people that are going to be affected by it for sure. But either way, start making a plan. Get your friends together, build your affinity group, and find local people who are already organizing in mass. Right? Okay. It's not going to be enough. So for this sort of incident. It's not enough for you and your five friends to hold a sign on a corner. Okay, well, I don't even have five friends. That's true. So you should join <laughs> one of these groups. Like I said, Indivisible Project, Stand Up America, or Protect the Results are three that I found in, you know, just a few minutes of Googling. And they've okay. all got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. You can get text alerts and emails from them and whatever else. So start listening in on what they're doing and figure out where your comfort level is in protesting, right? Yeah. For some people... It's going to be participating in the strike. For other people, it might be, you know, more confrontational work. It might be whatever. But find your comfort level in protest. And most of us over the last year have probably been to a protest or two. But and I want a protest that does something. This one, it should be <laughs> one that does. So, yeah. again, be strategic, right? Yeah, so reaching out now to friends, coworkers, neighbors to take part is important to members of your union. Uh, we basically needed to do it, like I said, by making this place ungovernable for the party in charge. And we saw recently that this can kind of work in what happened in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you pay any attention to what happened in Bolivia, but basically we cooed the government in Bolivia. Uh, Evo Morales, the president, was kicked out. We put in, uh, you know, a right-wing sort of president, and the people forced the government to hold an election. They weren't going to. But, you know, strikes and walkouts and mass protests and civil disobedience forced the government to hold an election where they re-elected Evo Morales' party, uh, the left-wing party. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this can work. I mean, it just worked last month in another place. And so this is one of the few things that will actually work to move a government out, you know, is mass nonviolent civil disobedience. So, again, tactical, strategic, not performative and, you know, feel good. I'm sick of performative feel-good everything. Yes. It doesn't make me feel good at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I guess basically... Oh, there is also, if you look on the internet, it's talking about resources, there is a 55-page uh, document. Again, I know, Karen, that's a little bit for you, but you got a couple of days to read it. Mm. Uh, you Google Hold the Line, a guide to defeating... Or, sorry, a guide to defending democracy. Is that by that Quaker? This was published, yes, uh, just a little while ago in response to what he feels is Trump trying to steal this election. Mm -hmm. um, and this guy, you've mentioned he's a Quaker whose name, again, I can't remember. I wrote it down, and now I can't find it in my notes. But He's he, done a lot of work with other situations yes, similar to like in a bunch of countries. he's like an expert of nonviolent civil disobedience. Yeah. And so, again, take it from the experts, not and us And a chumps. Quaker, what a nice guy. Palatable for everybody, huh? Palatable for everybody, Yeah. So either way, get ready for a crazy, for the craziness that will happen. I mean, there is in the prepper community or in like the emergency preparedness like world, this sort of tendency to avoid trouble, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we see there's going to be chaos in the aftermath of an election, a gut reaction might be hide inside. This is why I have two weeks of food and water in my mm -hmm. house, so I don't have to go out and deal with this. Yeah. And if I just shutter my windows and stay inside, I'm unlikely to be affected by what's going on, right? Yeah. And that's both true and incredibly cowardly, right? Like, we are preparing so that we can do things, Yeah. right? And so again, like you had mentioned earlier, what happens if you lose your job if you or if you lose your income because you're on the general strike, right? Well, having two weeks supply of food and home might help you better be able to participate in that strike, right? Yeah. 
you have to engage with the politics of the day. And this is why I paid no credence to the, the, the complaint that we are too political. Because <laughs> if anything, we're not political enough. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just in life. Yeah. The idea that people that say I don't do politics or I don't follow politics are the worst people. <laughs> Listen, here's my thing about that, Derek. I'm starting to feel like the left is bleeding people to the right by oh, for being sure. elitist and saying, well, you educate yourself and da 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 I'm, I'm like, you guys were losing everyone. Yeah. So to some level, I'm like, quit quit losing those centrists. We need to uh, make it palatable for them, make it soft and cozy, and then trick them into <laughs> learning that the unions are the greatest thing in the world and making them more left, but we cannot alienate everybody who's in the middle or kind of center-right because sure. we need them. Them, desperately. That's a really good point that I think we probably should bring up when it comes to creating a mass movement to protect the democracy of America. You need is to appeal to the center. You need to appeal to the center there. This is not the time to go out there and mix the message, to go out and say, what we need right now is Medicare for all or, you know, uh, the Green New Deal or whatever other policies you want. What we are trying to do right now is prevent a, a coup, basically, to prevent someone stealing an election in America. And the right... The center right in particular, not the crazy lunatic fringe, but the vast majority of Americans care about democracy, the idea of a democracy. And so if you can appeal to the fact that this is fundamentally un-American, undemocratic, right? And again, for a lot of us on the left, the idea that we're upholding the American way is garbage because America sucks. Uh, but but what we are talking about now is the the liberal ideas like of the French Revolution, the ideas of democracy, mm-hmm. the idea that the people should have a say in who governs them. But here's and a- whether or not America upholds those values 100% is kind of irrelevant at this point. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is protect the very idea that it's possible. And I think that you can get a lot of buy-in from the center on that idea that, hey, everyone should have a say in who governs this government. You know, we have rules and laws in place. And if we're not going to follow those rules and laws, what are we? I worry about the left not being able to stick to the message. Yes. Because what I've seen is people, the infighting on the left is so insane. <laughs> How dare you? you know, I'm well, splitting <laughs> this podcast. I'm sorry, but when you you can't even do anything because you're so wrapped up in like, well, that's or you're not even a Marxist or blah, da, 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 You're da, a Marxist lemesis. Do you even believe in postmodernism? And you're like, would you shut the hell up we're trying to stop the earth from going into flames can we just stay on message and the left is horrible at saying like okay listen we're going to disagree on some stuff it's impossible they can't disagree on anything you have to stay in line with the way that they think or you're garbage and they don't even want you in their club and we need to get rid of that thought process to even move forward and i'm afraid they can't do it. Yeah, the they'd last... rather be pure than win. Yes. And at this point, like, again, if the, if if and when Donald Trump tries to steal this election, I don't give a shit if Mitt Romney leads the way in saving American <laughs> democracy. Listen, I'd right? get behind Mitt tomorrow if Three I had to. Three fucking days. You know, yes. <laughs> if Mitt Romney can save American democracy somehow, exactly. fucking go for it, Mitt. Mm-hmm. And then next week, I will again hate him. And then but... I will go back to criticizing him, absolutely. <laughs> sure. But in that moment, if he's the biggest voice in America for the center mm-hmm. and can bring these people into a movement to save democracy, yeah, great. Good for you, Mitt. Like... I just worry that people are unable to look at a human being anymore and say, listen, they're wrong about X, Y, and Z, but ABC is really important and we won't get to X, Y, Z if we don't fix ABC. Exactly. And I can agree with you that we shouldn't just 
ignore all laws and reason within the world just because you disagree with me about social welfare. Right. And you and I'm very worried that the left can't handle this because they have not handled it. <laughs> there is evidence this in a long time. Yeah. I'm serious. I, I I probably was one of them even just two years ago, but having to deal with people who are different from me has taught me some things. And that is there is more important things. In I'm life. sorry. Yeah. There's more important things. And if you want to fix those things, great. Keep that in mind. Keep fighting for it. But do not forget the main goal. Stay on message, people. Yeah. Very so. worried. <laughs> that is a worry, I'm for sure. I'm very concerned. And then we kind of mentioned it as well. Like, I don't imagine it re- devolving into some sort of, like, ongoing street fight in every street in America. There might be some rioting. There might be some rioting, depending on what happens. But I don't see, like, a general sort of chaos occurring. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems unlikely to me. But either way, if you have your two weeks supply of food and water and the ability to work without electricity in your home, those would be things that could make you feel more secure in the event of any sort of civil unrest, right? Mm -hmm. So again, our basic preps is something else you could stock up on right now. Let's just say there is a general strike, right? General strikes mean nobody works, which means nothing works. That means no more food supply. That means the food supply will be disrupted. That means the power supply might be disrupted. That means the water supply might be disrupted. It means a lot of things might happen, and that's the point of the strike, is to disrupt systems that the people in power need to have working and say, if you want this to work, you need to meet our demands. And it will not work until you do. And so be ready for those disruptions, I guess is what you can say. We In, in the next week and a half, it may be too late to really get involved other than as a uh, just one more in a mass in mm-hmm. the protests or in the planning for these things. But it is not too late to run out to the store and get some non-perishable, you know, food. So, you know, get yourself a case of ramen for $5 and then, you know, or whatever. So if you have been delaying, preparing, or getting yourself some emergency food and water supplies or a backup generator or just a propane stove to cook outside, the next seven days is a great time to do those things. <laughs> God. So, you know what I'm saying? Just just to be prepared for, because yeah. there will be chaos come November 4th. Like, it's kind of just that simple. We It will be... A weird time. One of the weirdest times in recent American well, history. we probably won't know who's president on November 4th. No, we won't. And there's, what, like 74 days between November 4th and January 20th? Who knows what new laws he could enact in Who those Who knows what's going to happen during those days? I don't. I'm, not, I'm, you know, lots and lots of paper has been written on this sort of thing, or, you know, ink has been spilled, as they say. Mm-hmm. And it's worth reading a lot of this stuff. There's millions of articles. Basically, any news source you have has got something written about it. Uh, but, yeah, just get personally prepared for it. Uh, you know, make sure that you and your family are ready and then actively participate in the saving of American democracy. <laughs> and also just ignore some of your ideas for just a minute to get everybody together. Yeah. Meet at the common denominator. Let's Can we all just kind of union it up right now? Everybody be cool. Uh, don't alienate the uh, centrist or the uh, lefty rights. Yeah, anybody. Come on, let's keep them. We want them with us. Yeah, that's that part, Corinne. Uh, did we want to talk about what a Biden presidency might mean for the climate, that's or do we want to so wait? So hopeful. Yeah, let's wait. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not our. That's not on brand. That's not our message. That is so hopeful. That'll be the post-election. So let's let's let's. Well, let's you know what, positive. Derek? Will Will and Joe Biden weeks, ban fracking or not? Who could say really? Again, well, Donald no. Trump. He says no sometimes and yes other times. Well, 
Donald Trump had him on that one. Donald Trump had the last debate. We didn't even really talk about it. I think Donald Trump won the last debate handedly. But but it hurts as this sort of pragmatic leftist <laughs> who has already made his deal and is going to vote for Donald Trump or vote for not Oh, God. For, going to vote for Joe Biden to hear Joe Biden shit on the left again and again and again. Because like Donald Trump keeps trying to trap him. He's like, are you going to move to the left, Joe? Are you going to move to the left? And Joe Biden's like, no. No, I'm not. I'm going to keep going to the right. Uh, we're not going to ban fracking. No, we're not going to do these things. How dare you? What a vicious slander. Uh, although he did get Joe Biden to say he would phase out oil, which, in my personal opinion, seems like the most sensible, real, you know, non-controversial thing anyone has ever said. No, it's not. Oh, but, he doesn't want oil. Yeah, <laughs> did like, you hear that? Yeah, it's like Joe Biden said, yeah, oil just lost pollutes Texas. a lot, so we got to eventually get rid of it, is basically <laughs> what he said. You're making me say it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but the sad thing is Donald was killing it when he could just talk over Biden, and now he's killing it even when he couldn't talk over Biden. And it's like, I do think he's a buffoon. I do think he is an idiot. But for some reason, his strategy is killing it. Well, Joe Biden is such a terrible candidate. And again, a little late in the city game for this. But we shouldn't talk so much shit on Joe because we're trying to get him elected. I will talk shit on Joe till the moment, literally while I'm writing his name in on the ballot. I will talk or check in marking his name. I, I vote for fuck you, Joe Biden. <laughs> exactly. I guess. Fine. But I'll complain the whole time. Yeah. He's such a terrible candidate. Uh, one of our recent fans of the podcast pointed out that, you know, two years ago when we started this thing, we joked, we laughed that the left would probably end up nominating yeah, Joe but Biden. we weren't kidding, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> because we hadn't come up with nothing. Basically, I think that at some point, the, the Democratic Party's entire plan is to somehow hold on until AOC is old enough to run for president. <laughs> I think that's their plan. I think that's their honest okay. to God. Like in their war room, they're like, all right, how old is she now? There's a clock on the wall counting down until she's what? What do you have to be? 35? 35. Yeah, there's a clock on the wall counting down until she's I 35 years old. I don't think that's old. our best hope either, guys. Uh, I think it is for them. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anyways, that's our show for today. I'm sorry. Stressed. So. If you uh, need a drink after that, go for it. Or just Are we go for a run. That? Go for a run. Go Do something. For a run. I don't know. If your air isn't poisonous yeah, right now. Which most of it is. Uh, um, if you liked it, please subscribe. Who could uh, like that? We forgot to mention, Corinne, at the top. Uh, we'll we'll mention it at the top, I guess, next week. But that I've uh, started our YouTube channel for us. Yes. Yeah. Apparently on the internet, they tell me that uh, YouTube can help get your podcast more listens. Oh. So I'm starting to slowly put all of our back catalog onto the YouTube. Listens. Yep. Uh, we're also, I think, going to start in a week or, or in another month or so. We're going to do another pass the pod sort of push. Try and okay. get everyone to, so you can get a jump on it by telling one person about this podcast. If you enjoy it, just uh, tell them to give it a listen. And uh, yeah, thank you guys. So like, subscribe, tell your friends about us. Write uh, a review. Write a review. Send us an email, heatinguppodcast at gmail.com. And or you can there. find us at heatinguppodcast.com. Oh,